Hi, welcome to Telepathic TV. This is television that you watch with your third eye. And as always, I'm R. Neville Johnston. And I'm Mary Phelan, and our program is about raising our consciousness. And tonight, we are going to continue with the Finding Yourself series and Finding Your Purpose is the topic for tonight. And if you work in Waterworld, that would be Finding Your Porpoise. And today in Mayan, as often, but as that depends on your system, but nonetheless, yes, it's Tucaban. Tucaban with the guide tribe of Muluk, and Caban is the Earth navigator, here to assist the universe to evolve, the world to evolve. Tone two is a day of managing your evolution through polarization, I believe. Yeah, polarization, mm-hmm. which would be yeah. All right. There we go. All right. I think we have it. And this is, uh, again, a piece of the code that we're all looking for. Well, what's interesting, too, is today um, um, it's a a galactic activation portal day, which Mm -hmm. I was born on a portal day as well. And portal days are where you can get from one location to another, either a state of mind or um, actual physical space. It's like a wormhole. Mm-hmm. of consciousness. So you don't have to go all the way around those ropes at the bank. You can walk right up to the teller. Okay, mm-hmm. I think we're probably done with that. When you get to the that. point that you are looking at your life and uh, uh, can read this paragraph in particular of mine, it is a translation of the day, what happened during the day. Mm-hmm. This is the way this whole thing works. And today has the lunar tone in it, mm-hmm. which is a partnership tone. So you can see how management... Yeah had a lot to do with things yeah. today. Manager, you know, a lot of people don't realize, but to be a manager, you really have to be a partner. Manager isn't about overlording people. And be, having a manager isn't about being a rebellious child and having to strike out We're talking about Americans here. It, it's really different roles within an equal functioning group of people. Uh, everybody is equal. They have different roles. Sometimes people's roles include managing other people's roles. But this idea that someone's better or worse than someone else, it really sets the whole circumstance up to not be productive. That's actually really a, a planetary concept. Well, I, yeah. And yeah, the idea. Of, yeah. yeah. And before we get to um, the topic, I wanted to just mention to people out there, maybe spread the word, that um, when there is snow and you shovel, let's be considerate of each other. I've heard a lot of stories where people were shoveling snow like in a townhouse development and then putting the snow on someone else's parking space or in the back of their car, which um, has happened to me on occasion too. And it, it's just not, not good to do that. I mean, just be kind to each other, not good or bad. But just fire a gun in the air and say, stop that. Does that further emotional love or does that halt it? Do unto others as you would want done unto you. So love yourself enough to not do that to somebody. Well, let's um, open up then a little bit about um, a side topic. Oh, we can do that in just a moment. The idea of the mass hysteria that's uh, seizing the herd. And what would the herd be without mass hysteria, better known as programming? But they are are, um, relentless with this. We have on this program said hundreds of thousands of times, really do not listen to the news. What you're going to get out of the news is your latest mantle of victimhood. 
and some form of hysteria about it. That's really what they sell us all the time to distract us. Uh, snow was originally meant, the east coast of the United States is getting a huge amount of snow, and you would think the kids have got it down. No school, all right, relax, chill, okay. We'll shovel, we'll get tired. Uh, the idea of um, the hysteria that's come with it is well, really kind of ridiculous. Lot of because, go ahead. Oh, I thought you were done, go ahead. Well, because of, uh, you can't take the day off. Uh, we're, you're snowed in, you cannot do it. Well, well, you have to go to the store, you have to have already gone to the store. You have to spend a huge amount of money on, on uh, actually a form of hoarding. Yeah, in that sense, we've, we've got all the stuff in the house. What? But we aren't going to use any of it. It'll rot or it'll, you know. Think, so it's just getting ridiculous. Well, I think one of the reasons people shop, because I think it is interesting to go to the store, and um, the store I went into, the, all the vegetables were gone and yeah. things like that. And I think what happens when people think of being stranded or trapped, we try to get ourselves a bunch of options. So everybody buys stuff for multitudes of dinners, so that they have options and choice because they feel like they won't have any options or choice. And I think another th um, thing that goes on with the snow is employers still require employees to be there. It's like nobody can shut down business for the day, even things that really aren't that critical. I've worked in companies before where they insisted I go out and risk my life to get there. And it wasn't like I really had anything all that important to do once I got there. People like yeah. to be hysterical uh, it because just seems to that, be the way. Yeah, I, I, I'm not saying all people, but... No, all people, especially on the East Coast of the United States. Uh, and this well, form of hysteria is actually a thought form... Yes, I know. ...that is easy to break up, at least for any one of us as an individual. As in snow, okay, don't worry about it. Yeah, nothing to worry about. Well, they're really easy, and it's something we talked about a few shows back. So if you're listening to this or, and would like to do, uh, listen to the show, it's in the archives, both on iTunes and on our website. I think it's a really good idea to break up those thought forms of hysteria. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I broke up one today. My snow shovel is breaking, and I thought, okay, it's probably time for another one if we're going to have more snow. And, of course, none of the stores have snow shovels. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't know that, but I went, in, and I went in there and stampeding. I was really surprised yeah. <laughs> that there was none. I figured they had restocked since the last snow. And so I thought, oh, well, there's, it's no big deal. But then out in the middle of the store, just standing there by the registers, was exactly the snow shovel I've been wishing to buy for a long time. And I thought, well, this one is just standing there. So I asked the clerk if I could, if this was for sale, because everybody said they were out of them. And people were coming and going, and he says, yes, I don't know where that appeared from. It wasn't mm -hmm. there. And so I got the snow shovel, and I think it became visible to me because I was able to break a thought form up and yeah, not exactly. just go into that fog. But, you know, that goes a lot into our purpose. And I thought what might be interesting to do when, as we begin this conversation and invite the audience to call in, with questions and ideas and, and things to with, share. Uh, is what that you feel your life's purpose is. Yeah. yeah, is first to define what purpose means. I know I do a lot of readings, or I, and I have over the years, and a lot of people, uh, or I would say everybody has a slightly different definition of what purpose means. Some people interpret it as spiritual, spirituality. 
some people say, okay, what's my, perp my divine purpose? Other people say, what's my career purpose? And that's what they're thinking of when they think of the, the idea of purpose. And other people think, oh, what's my purpose as far as what's my service to humanity? So that might uh, be a good place for people well, to start the thinking. The average of we, the human race, the average of us, never ask themselves, what is my purpose? And that's why I'm saying if people wish to call in and say, I feel that my purpose is. Now, as far as whether or not we're conscious of what our purpose is, you are guaranteed to have fulfilled your life's purpose by the end of it. Guaranteed. I, I don't believe there's ever been a single miss. Now, the difference with what we're talking about on this program is once you're con consciously and constantly aware of what your purpose is, it puts it in a different place in your thinking, a different place in your auric field, a different place in your spiritual progression, a different place, and it just goes on and on. To become aware of what your purpose is, very, very, very few people actually do that. And it is still to be differentiated between your life's purpose and your life's lesson, which is sometimes the same and sometimes dramatically different. What, what lesson am I here, me, hi, Neville, am I here to get? What was it again? Lesson. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I do believe it is to become more aware, simply that. My life's lesson is a prolongation of becoming more conscious. I believe that's the lesson formatting that I <laughs> believe. Uh, it is the lesson formatting I signed on for to become more and more conscious. You and many, many other people share this. We're not the only ones. But once you say, all right, my life's lesson is to become more conscious, then what can I do about it? And then the purpose may be to model it Mm -hmm. myself as an individual. So if anyone wants to call in, what is your life's purpose or lesson? Go ahead. Yeah, uh, I, I think this is definitely a, a great topic to discuss tonight, um, mm -hmm. just to discuss in general. I have a, um, a perspective that's not very different, but it, it's another angle on the same thing. Mm -hmm. And I, I would like to just let people know that this idea of a purpose don't let that control you either because I have had many people over the years come and say, I know we're supposed to have a purpose and I feel like I'm not getting mine. I feel like I'm off track somehow. I'm not getting my purpose. The thing is, I feel that everybody's main purpose of being here is to live each moment fully, whatever mm -hmm. that means mm -hmm. to that person and whatever that moment is Absolutely. presenting and, and everything. And that is a real purpose and that's why it's important to define it. A lot of times people, uh, well, our society sets us up to feel like we're failing if we're not succeeding at something. So if we don't have this mission that we're here to accomplish, we set ourselves up to feel like we're failing. And everybody wants that feeling of, of uh, in the momentness mm -hmm. of knowing your purpose and fulfilling it. Like Mozart knew he was going to write music and it was this moment of great fulfillment. So people, in essence, I feel a purpose is one of fulfillment. And then the lesson or the path to that fulfillment then becomes your discovery over what is fulfilling to you. So in order to fulfill your purpose, you have to fulfill yourself. And that is what mm -hmm. the journey is about, yeah. the journey of life, is discovering that. 
and no one has ever not done that. Even yes. if it is, you know, they always used to say, oh, right before you die, your entire life flashes in front of you in the form of flashcards held up by angels or whatever. But no, that, that, was where, that was the point at which you got it. You waited till the last moment to get it. Just this is typical human trick right there. Uh, or what is it? Oh, stupid human trick. You know, to wait till the very last minute of your life to figure out why you incarnated. <laughs> oh, man, that's classic human. And we like to think of humans as advanced beings and advancing beings. And um, this new consciousness that's arriving in waveform that has absolutely changed the sunsets and sunrises, changed all the colors in our spectrum. No one's aware of that. Or not like we could be aware of that. I've and, been aware for a while. Yeah, and that's ca- uh, carrying on with an increasing consciousness. But people don't have words for it. They don't have a way to express it. And there are less and less people going to tell you you're nuts because you're saying, well, you know that color, that color in that flower made me more conscious. Okay, now a few years ago, back in the 50s, you'd be beaten up by thugs for saying something like that. In the 60s, everybody would agree with you. In the 70s, everyone would go, what? In the 80s, everybody goes, yeah, but how can you cash in on it? In the 90s, they go, wow, man, I'm busy. I got something else to do. And now here at the beginning of the new... Well, that is a good question. If this were 1910 and someone said, by the end of this century, all human beings will be able to talk to all other human beings through something called the net, oh, they'd have beat him up. They really would have. So (coughs) here in 2010... Another thing you might uh, care to call in about, what do you think is going to be the hot item in uh, 2090? What do you think think is going to be going on in 2090? Because it's very, that's an important factor, speaking of which. Well, I think what will be going on in 2090 is people will still be seeking love and Uh seeking to define themselves by their purpose. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel that it's important as you explore the idea of a purpose not to see it as a definition of self. And I would say this right now, um, if you feel that there's some purpose you're here and that you're here for and you're not accomplishing it, I will say you're off the hook. You don't have to do it. Yeah, I, I had a lady come for a reading. Oh, oh, this has actually been a number of different people, not just one person, but that a number of psychics had told them they were going to write a book or write a song or something like that. And it had been years and years and years where they had not done it yet and something in the back of their mind that, oh my gosh, I'm not doing this. My purpose is to write a book and to, deal, and to help children and to do all these things and I'm not doing it. If it's causing you stress and if you're not doing it, then it's not your purpose. Your purpose comes easily, it comes quietly, and it's there all the time. It's ever-present. And you can look back over your life and see it obviously or discreetly in every single moment of your life. It's right there. Is your purpose to understand um, or or work with children? Has there always been children in your life? There are clues if you look Mm -hmm. back in your life. And whatever is easy and you gravitate toward and that you're funded to do is what you're to be doing. Mm -hmm. And your purpose does not have to be some spectacular thing like curing cancer. If your purpose is to sit on a log in the middle of the forest and stare at a tree, then that purpose is divine and that some part of the whole is looking for that particular experience. 
And so live it. Otherwise, we come back until we do live it and, and really be, allow ourselves to be absorbed into it. Another interesting note is that your purpose it will change. You will have realized your purpose and go on to the next one. And also your life's lesson. You will have gotten a life's lesson and you'll go on to the next one. But we are not at the point of consciousness of... Uh, and now each of us can divide our life up into uh, other sub-lives. I spent many years as an artist. I will consider being an artist again before the end of this... I will be an artist again before the end of this lifetime where all I do all day long is art, etc. <coughs> part of my life has been about writing. You know, part of our uh, life has been about the, this show. Part, you know, so each of these are chapters or sub-lives. Mm -hmm. And you could, you could sit with... Really, if you have nothing to do during the snowfall coming up, sit and write out the chapters of your life uh, and what characterized them and what was the outstanding memory of um, high school. What's the, if I say to you high school, what's the memory that, not that one, the memory that leaps into your mind? Oh, yeah, that may be first kiss or maybe things related. Last kiss, <laughs> as the case may be. Depending on how long things went on. But... Um, you know, this idea is interesting games to play with ourselves to discover a greater consciousness about ourselves. So the chapters in your life, the sub-lives, what would you call them? So one was uh, artist, you know, one's, um, some of us did musician. Not always retired from it, did something else. Uh, other people did, uh, you know, the work thing, again, retired from it, where the work was no longer the... Um, dad, huge chapter. Mom, huge chapter. You know, stuff like that. Yeah, I, I really like that idea, and it reminds me of this book I have on memoir writing. And I mm -hmm. thought it was really a great tool. It gave a list of 50 different things that you put at the top of the paper and you write about it, like high school or mm -hmm. um, vacations, different types of things, and then you write about it, and then when you're done, it, it's cohesive and can be put into a memoir. And that reminds me of that. And something that I really thought was useful is I wrote every year from my birth until present year mm -hmm. and as much as I could remember went back and wrote major things that had happened in my life mm -hmm. and I saw that there was a move or a job change or something really major that happened every seven years mm -hmm. you may wish to do that and look at what cycles work out for you yeah. but <clears throat> another thing I do on New Year's Eve is write down a recap of the prior year mm -hmm. which is a really good idea for going back and doing things like that in the discovery of the in the discovery of the Mayan, there's a four-year cycle that we're all going through. Yeah. And it's not just a bachelor's, master's sort mm -hmm. of thing. And uh, with the particular tribes that influence us during those cycles, uh, is another kind of uh, re-engineering backwards in your mm -hmm. life to figure out. Uh, so if you figure out your Mayan cycle when you were in high school, mm -hmm. what were those four years? What did it begin on? You know, just countless uh, venues of awakening ourselves to our own consciousness that really is what this time period in the history of mankind is about. Because all of the frequencies are getting, you know, people that would have never, you would have never thought were going to do much, have suddenly begun to evolve, to flower, to exponentially grow consciousness. Well, you, and it's wonderful and sometimes shocking. Hmm. Oh, truly. Well, well, you had uh, brought up the subject of life lessons, and mm -hmm. 
I, for a while, I thought, well, that seems kind of trite, um, a life lesson. I mean, every moment is a gift, a gift, a lesson, and a blessing, and all these things. But what I found interesting is every past life event that we've done together, and we've done many over the years together, at least for the last decade, mm -hmm. um, a number of them a year, and some years we did them like monthly for a while. And when you ask people that question, what is their life lesson, everybody immediately came up with something. And I got to mm -hmm. see that there was this overall lesson that we do come to explore or mm -hmm. exploration. Maybe it's compassion, maybe it's power, maybe it's, it's uh, abandonment from Family, all different yeah. sides. Like maybe one lifetime where the abandonee and another lifetime where the abandoner yeah. and then another lifetime we observe it. And it is interesting to note uh, if you look at your life and even your past lives they start painting a bigger picture. Mm -hmm. And it's like words within a sentence when they're put together, the larger sentence starts making sense. Yeah. And so you can look at your life and the lines on your hand, the, the, the features on your face, uh, your astrology sign, your Mayan, all these are clues that we have left for ourselves to remind us. They're signposts. And either we're energized or we're not. And if you can really listen to what your heart and your body is telling you, we had so much training to listen only to our mind and what we <laughs> thought we should be mm -hmm. doing, quote yeah. unquote, that we stopped hearing that. But once you start hearing it again, you really do live the divine life of Forrest Gump again, where well, everything another, is just open and it's funded for you. That's another search engine that's rarely accessed. Your heart, how do you feel about this? Because the brain is so noisy, and that is the accurate description of the brain you know, is chattering on about something and how and, and then the meditation is stop the chatter so that you can enter into the potential and then decide on the manifestation. People don't think like that. It's like I have to do my level best not to get beaten to death today so that I can do all this again tomorrow. I mean that really and that's been any number of religions have been based on God. Please God don't beat me up too much so that I can continue to uh, be in this mess tomorrow. Mm -hmm. You know, this concept, now it's time for us to be, um, to become more aware. There's a constant growing. Uh, we've painted so many pictures of what an advanced civilization looks like. What if nobody played with money anymore? People just got, when the Russians went insane, and they did, and everyone knows that, and the greed in the rushes became so intense that literally all of the paper currency was held by greed in the hands of a few. Well, all of the rest of the people who had to continue living their lives, suddenly where there was no money involved, um, instantly created. The, the entire consciousness went up, and it was, um, everybody kept their identities uh, in the sense of, oh, I'm a dentist, or I'm a guy that, that makes uh, hats, or whatever that was. And so they agreed to an honor barter system where the guy that had a toothache that made hats, but the dentist did not want a hat, could take a credit for a hat. A draft, which is what yeah. checks began as. That was the way things used to was be. Was supposed to, but then, then greed took it over again. Mm -hmm. And so the advanced civilization on any planet does not traffic in money. It doesn't work that way. Well, That's how you know the Ferengis were not such an advanced civilization because they were obsessed with latinum. Well, I feel that we, we have a bio, biological imperative toward greed 
or what you're calling greed that we can certainly overcome with just one conscious thought. Mm -hmm. And that's also behind the um, the ma or whatever Maharishi? the no the mob mentality, whatever oh, you called it earlier. Yeah. No, not hoarding. Oh, uh, mass hysteria. Mass hysteria. Yeah. That when, if you look at the phenomenon, if you've ever worked in restaurants and the idea of the buffet, anybody that ever has, yeah, you yeah. can see that if you're in a regular restaurant, people are ordering food, there's a certain uh, energy. And then if you get a buffet, it becomes this very frenzied thing where people have to go after it and get it. Biologically, if we did not have that thing pushing us, we may not have the survival of the species in quite the same way that it has. Yeah. The thing is, is there are a lot of biological things that we don't need, we don't utilize, we don't have to have in our current state of evolution, in our mm -hmm. current culture mm -hmm. and in our environment. But yet, when you become aware of them, you become bigger up than it and you mm -hmm. can step out of it. There's uh, something else to note there. Uh, either a story you told me or I heard as a joke someplace along the line little girl goes into um, one of these buffet places and the That's father, niece. your niece, yeah. okay, who said, well, I don't want to have to eat all I can now eat. Now, what, what had happened is my family, we met mm -hmm. at one of those all-you-can-eat buffet things because then it had stuff for everybody. And about the fourth time we went there, she said, she asked if she could not go. And they said, why? Don't you want to go be with everyone? And she says, yes but my stomach hurts when I eat all I can eat. Because she thought you had to eat as much as yes, you, you could. you could possibly eat, and she was right. Yeah. That is the unconscious thing that goes under, under the back, into the back of your mind. Maybe we can get the show catered. <laughs> Somebody will come up with a tray of hors d'oeuvres. Yes, well, we, we will do a vegetarian cooking show coming up. Yeah, you know, but I think in calling it diced rather than chopped. <laughs> yes, <laughs> although that's pretty dicey. Well, I, I would ask the viewers if they mm -hmm. would like to call in or even think about this. Look at your life and what are some common landscape items that have been with you your whole life. And these are things that may not come out. They may not pop and you go, oh, yeah, I've always had, um, I've always done such and such. But if you look at it, you'll start becoming aware of it. For instance, if you look at every job you've had and if you said, okay, every job I've had, I've always helped people to understand something. Or every job I've ever had, even if they've been very different jobs, I've helped people. Or I've, I've done healing activities with mm -hmm. people. Or I've yeah. been a counselor. You're going to start uncovering some avocations, some vocations that are really true to you. Yeah. So many people feel empty in the workplace. And a show coming up where we're going to um, be doing a show called Finding Spirituality in the Workplace, mm -hmm. which is a real powerful one. Because mm -hmm. people find, they substitute their divine purpose with their job. And it's really important to, Not to, uh, to yeah. let your purpose penetrate every area of your life. Rarely, but every once in a while you hear someone say, say the purpose of my life is to. It's usually sarcasm. You know, and they're saying like to so wait on you. <laughs> yeah, the purpose of my like life is to wait on you. Yeah, yeah, especially. Um, I might have said that a few times. We would imagine. Okay, so the idea of uh, hearing yourself is something we're not taught to mm -hmm. do either. We're taught more to ignore ourselves than we would ever imagine. You know, like this hurts, but I have to go on. Didn't you say it hurts? Well, yeah, it hurts, but I have to go on. No, hurts. Yes or no? Hurts. Yes, it hurts. Okay. Then sit down. Relax. 
take it easy. Your body has called a timeout. Mother Nature has called a timeout with the uh, 55 feet of snow that we're about to get that everybody's prepared for. I heard it was 90 feet. 120. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pass that around. Yeah, it's the East Coast is getting coming. 120 feet of snow tomorrow morning. Nine and it miles will be delivered, of snow. Yeah, in 25 minutes. No, I it heard it just was five minutes whole. now. Five it's just going to come in this big chunk. Instantly. Like A an Window, igloo. nothing. Window, snow. <laughs> nothing for a different reason. Yeah. And squirrels will dig through it to get into your house to eat your brains while you're asleep. And this is what uh, hysteria is all about. And they will, too. Hysteria begets hysteria. It does. This yes. is the thing. <laughs> if we are going to get a hold of ourselves, if we are to move into, and we are, we are moving into the advanced civilization, take tomorrow off. There's 20 feet of snow between you and whatever it is you were. I've always said, let's have it and snow. And don't spend the whole day shoveling, the either. I will tunnel to the car to realize that I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, that's it. I mean, this is what we're talking about. You know what? I think, I think something that is really emerging here is that people are really terrified to be alone with their own thoughts and to be alone. That's why TVs or, yes, Home Alone. We got those old paint cans we can rig up, but. Um, no, the squirrels <laughs> will do that. You can train them. Either. Squirrels spit in your hair and then you have to have your head shaved. No, that's oh, yeah, bad. I remember that. Okay. Well, no, the idea is we have so much technology with, yeah. with all the Facebook, the computers, the iPhones, all these things that we never have that silent time where it's just us alone with our thoughts. And never. I think people get intimidated and frightened by that. Yeah. It, tomorrow, it, providing you're snowed in or not, if you mm -hmm. get this time, turn off everything and sit in the silence and watch yeah. the snow and really get in touch with the moment. Because remember, your purpose lies within that silence. Yeah. It's within the silence and the reality of the moment. It's not in these other realities that we uh, send our mind to. If you can actually achieve silence, what you will hear is your soul talking to you. It's a Buddhist, I believe a Buddhist proverb, something like yeah. that. But this concept of... Well... Go ahead. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm just saying that contemplate this idea of being alone with your own thoughts and, mm -hmm. and shutting things down. We do, and, and they're measuring this now with scientific experiments, yeah, but that people help. get addicted to email. Yeah, and it yeah. gives you this rush of endorphins uh, when you read email and there's email there. That's the only thing driving Facebook. Mm -hmm. yeah, well, we get a rush from it. So it's important, unhook from the matrix for a while mm -hmm. and hook back into the vastness mm -hmm. because it's this illusionary thing. I remember I stopped watching TV for five years or so. And when I first did it, it was a little bit of a withdrawal for a while because I thought I would be missing things. Yeah. But I tell you, my universe opened up so huge. And then when I went back to watching TV, I felt like I got tunnel vision again, except for our show. Yeah. Okay. Well, the byproduct of the self-love that causes you to give up, and we've explained addiction so many times on this program. The word addiction and the word guilt are synonyms. You know, it, mm -hmm. as soon, uh, all human beings are by nature pleasure seekers. So we're saying, here's a pleasure. Don't plug into anything. Just be you for the entire snowstorm. And don't feel guilty. Yeah. 
Put guilt here well, in the, the fireplace and burn it up. Yeah, the guilt is the um, byproduct of the manipulation of the hysteria. It really is. I mean, uh, in other words, if you have a family and you didn't go out there and buy that last quart of milk, get snow tires, buy uh, something that will melt the ice for you, and, you know, all the rest of it, then there's something the matter with you, and therefore you're guilty. Well, I think also... Even if the kids are already in college. It could be a lot of fun. I know when, years ago, when the pantry would run low on items, or if there were snow, one snowstorm, I did run out of a lot of the staples, but I had fun taking these ingredients and making new things. It's like that show Chopped, where they're given these really strange ingredients and they have to make a meal out Mm -hmm. of that. We have to get back in touch with cooking again and learning how to cook because the prepared foods are poisonous. Most of them them are. So we've got that would be a good experience Mm -hmm. to everybody work together and create a dish with with certain weird recipes. Wouldn't that be fun? There's a whole axiom about the less people between you and the food, the better. And if it's only the food which you cook and then eat, that's what we're looking for. You know, one time when I was a kid, we ran out of staples, too, but fortunately we had paper clips. <laughs> yeah. So, well, unless okay. that one guy is Big Al, <laughs> that big Al that's sweating in the food. Oh, yeah. Then okay. I would rather have 20 factories between me and my food. A lot of people sweat in those factories. <laughs> but at any rate. So call in. Tell us, what do you think of all this? What purpose do you feel that your life, you know, you landed on this planet? And for a number of reasons, mm-hmm. not just one. Name any of the reasons you showed up here. Well, it was to get into real estate. <laughs> the, the Earth has always been prime well, time real well, estate the, in this part of the galaxy. Do the overview. Say, every <clears throat> one of my friend relationships, it's, it's usually me being what? In every one of my work situations, it's usually me doing this for this and this. Something very simple, a simple statement. Yeah. That outlines the flow That's of every one. job you've ever had. Mm-hmm. And uh, call and let's talk about that because a lot of people would benefit from yeah. us being able to visually see that. For instance, I'll give you a for instance. Every job I've ever been in or, or anything I've done, I've taken something very complicated and unknowable to people and made it very knowable and cohesive and concise and simple. And it was years before I recognized the fact that that's, in essence, what I've done in mm-hmm. every job I've had. And it, was, it looked very different depending on the job, but that was the energy flow of what I did. And once you know that, you will never have this question of, is this job the right job for me, or should I move jobs or take this job? Because you'll know what the flow of energy um, is, is, or the flow of energy that's compatible in your life. Absolutely. A lot of times it goes the other way. The purpose is to make it more complex. So it's like breathing in a certain way, and there's a rhythm that comes out of that. Yeah, that, uh, that can be this, someone's purpose too. I'm yeah, just talking about mine. This, uh, that's yeah. just my purpose. I'm, that's just something I discovered about myself. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So Obviously exciting. somebody's making it more complicated because that gave me something to do. Yeah. So there is quite a bit. So the life's purpose, the life's lesson, and this concept of... Um, freeing yourself from the mass hysteria. And it's, you know, it happens to be very apparent because of the snow and the fact that uh, every time you turn in the news, they'll be telling you that there's going to be more snow uh, to get people driven to consume 
Gee, really? <laughs> yes. Well, I saw a weather report yesterday that said, um, don't give in to the panic. Um, yeah. Tune in to find out what others are upset about. Right. And it's like, what? What well, was I, 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 am I supposed to feel panicked, or am I supposed to tune in and find out what that is? Well, no, What's this going is, on? This is the herd. Here's member of the herd A. I'm completely panicked about the idea that I may run out of dental floss. And therefore, I have taken all of the kite string. I've broken into people's homes and taken only kite string and dental floss. And now I have the world's largest ball of dental floss, and now I'm worried about mouthwash. You know, and on and on and on and on, as long as there's worry, as long as there's compulsion, as long as there's um, this uh, freedom from thought that is this um, hysteria. We've been fed hysteria forever, forever. Uh, geez, and it's, I don't care for it. It's not <coughs> interesting. Hmm. I don't wish to participate. Well, let's, let's, uh, let's make it a lot softer, and we'll call it hysteria from now on. Yes. We have a call. Or hysteria. Mm-hmm. All right. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? Hi, this is Mona from California. Mona, hey, hello. Hi, I hey. have a question. I have a question for you. Um, this is a great show, by the way. Wonderful information. Um, and I started to look at my life and, and kind of I'm doing the process that you suggested. And one of the things I, I've noticed or I've noticed before, it's like whenever I get a job, it's almost immediately that I'm put into a supervisory position. There you go. And the... Mm-hmm. It's interesting because, I mean, these are places where I have absolutely no experience, and yet, okay, I'm in a supervisor in a management position. But I, I, one of the things, the last job that I had, I actually uh, refused initially to take that position, and I took a, I was just like one of, one of the ladies in the office. And quite frankly, that was the most fun job that I've ever had. Wow. It was so much fun, and that lasted. I intended to stay on the job for about a year. I had so much fun, I stayed about five years. And then that time came again where they, you know, this existing supervisor left, and then I was put in the position, and I wasn't happy anymore. And yeah. I ended up leaving. So I'm kind of confused a little bit about, you know, what that is saying. Well, I think one, perhaps we could frame that as a life lesson. And maybe the life lesson is you don't have to be in charge. Because one thing we're taught is that we have to be moving forward. Mm-hmm. I would look at that as it could be a belief system that says moving forward looks like getting promotions. That mm-hmm. for me to succeed, I have to put promotions mm-hmm. there. And, and th- I'm also picking up there may have been a past life or two where that was a driving force in the life. And this life is about finding, um, like I've said before on the show, we tend to define our happiness by how successful we are, but it really is the other way around, defining our uh, success by how happy we are. Mm -hmm. And that's what maybe one of your purposes here is to find that um, it's it's really in the moment. It's not in that thing that's out there. Mm. And that, that keeps resurfacing. You could describe this as purpose versus happiness Yeah, is what came up, and that would literally be the lesson. So we could say that all human beings have as the ultimate purpose, as we said before, all human beings are inherently pleasure seekers. As soon as you make someone guilty for seeking pleasure, 
And then you can use words like addiction and habit to just pull them apart totally, rend them virtually on a soul level, as the word addiction always does. So if the purpose of this is to, the purpose of your life is happiness, then it is not to do something that you don't love to do. And because it has been um, mantled in this, uh, oh, you must be a supervisor, it just happens every time, no, no, I would be much happier as a field worker rather than, you know what I'm saying, the right, uh, right. King of Queens. The character yeah. Doug on King of Queens is perfectly happy being a delivery guy for some fictional company. And the, but everybody's trying to get him to yeah, be successful. Yeah, everybody in his life takes a turn at seeing if they can drive him into a state of ambition. I know, I've, I've noticed that. Yeah, when he was happy to begin with. So be happy, don't worry. You know the rest of that one, right? Well, also um, in that, and I'm really glad you called, Mona, because this is a great question, too. I would say if you look at your life and find out what you've naturally gravitated toward, not necessarily the things people have tried to get you to do, because often if there's a pull and you're not funded to go there, there's some kind of a belief, and it's there to reveal a belief that you're supposed to be doing Mm. this and um, following your heart. And what was so great is it only took X amount of jobs before you realized that the supervisory thing wasn't your heart. And that's something I didn't mention earlier, is if you look at the patterns and the flows that have been easy for you to do, that have been reoccurring and that feel good, that's probably a better place to look for the purpose. Mm -hmm. If you keep having these recurring things that aren't necessarily something that feels comfortable to you, it's probably a limiting belief you have about yourself that your life is showing you. Either, number one, you don't think of yourself as a supervisor, um, and you don't see the value that you offer or, or something like that. Or it could be saying that's not an avenue that you have to pursue in order to be successful. It reminds me of the postman's holiday where, you know, what did you do on your day off? Well, I took a walk. Yeah. You know, that, that concept yeah. uh, as applied in this situation, hmm. that it's okay to be. It, uh, this is really a very important thing. It's okay to be who it is we are, and no one seems to quite get that one, not like we could. It's okay to do absolutely nothing. How many, how many people are with me there? It's okay for me to sit and do nothing. Not nothing, nothing. I mean nothing. I, I'm not even going to spend the energy on opening my eyeballs. Absolutely. That's one of yeah. my uh, friction areas. Doing nothing? Doing nothing. Yeah. It's mainly because I have so many things I love to do. Yeah, but doing nothing cannot really technically be done because you're existing no matter what you do. So, and you're you, breathing. Stop it. <laughs> yeah, so if you die, that's another whole set of situations that come up. Then you're doing that. You're dying. So even then, you're doing Stop something. that dying. I've told you to do nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, humans. Do we have a call or are we... Mona, are you still there? Mona, we loved your call. Thank you. Call back yes. soon. Yes. This is the reincarnation of... Is it Julian? Julius. Yeah. Julius. Julius the duck. Groucho Marx duck. He wanted to come back cuter and yellower. <laughs> and not quack so loud. What did you get? Uh, forgiveness, which I would like to explain as um, a very wimpy word. Uh, when we accept the idea that everything in our life is our idea, 
and until you get it that everything in your life is your idea, you have no clue what the word free will means. Everything in your life is your idea. Therefore, if something happens, there's no such thing as forgiving the person because that was your idea. Yeah. What there is, is loving the person for doing that because they were compliant with your wish. The man that shot me to death, I love because that was my idea and he was so kind as to take on being shot to death, uh, being the man that shoots someone to death, as his field, you know, his field of experience. I love him for doing that. And so there is no such thing as forgiveness unless you want to sound really wimpy. But I'll forgive you if you do. There's not, not, not such thing as forgiveness because there's nothing to forgive. Exactly. But yeah. forgiveness is a room people walk through in order to understand I understand. That. Well, I got honesty. Oh, honesty. And to me, I feel that it's never really being honest with another person. It's being honest to yourself. And that's the place where everybody could really look and see where you're being dishonest with yeah. yourself. And guilt will keep you. Because you deserve that. the truth. Yeah. And, and guilt will keep you from being honest with mm-hmm. yourself. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? Hi, this is Kathy from Alexandria, Virginia. Hi. And I've called you before, and I love uh, the both of you, and I've gotten so much out of your show. Thank Thank you you. for saying so. Unfortunately, I missed the first half an hour, but I have a a couple of comments to make. Sure. Um, About the snow business, I used to freak out all the time, even if I saw a flake of snow. I hated it. I wanted to be inside, and I never saw the peacefulness or loveliness of each flake. Mm. And it's only this last snowstorm um, that I came to realize how beautiful it was. And um, oh, I've made uh, a really big strides in, in that respect. Um, my other question is from last week. Um, is a question of, do your beliefs cause a fear or does the fear create a belief? Okay, the difference between fear and information is the level of consciousness of the person perceiving the fear. In other words, we're driving, there's a brick wall. Okay, so I understand that the car could crash into the brick wall, but I am not afraid of that because the brick wall is just more information and I can steer around it or I can put the brake on because my level of consciousness knows better than to be afraid of um, what might happen, level of consciousness. Well, I think there's also a couple different definitions of the word fear. Mm -hmm. There's a number of them, actually. And fear of a brick wall, of course, I'm going to be afraid of a brick wall if I'm sailing at it at 50 miles an hour. I will be. My body will experience fear. Um, And I'm not sure if I got the question correctly, but... Beliefs. uh, Do beliefs create fears or fears create beliefs? Is that Right. right? Yeah. That's right. Uh, well, you know, you, that's a very interesting thing because it, it, it is a chicken and the egg type of thing. Right. Because our beliefs make us feel afraid and then our fear reinforces the beliefs. But I would really say a belief would come first because we have to perceive and then make an evaluation about the perception, which mm-hmm. then turns into a belief and then our response comes. Okay, because I had um, this really horrible fear of um, flying in a plane, and it was uh, previous to, you know, 2001. I mean, this was in the 90s, and I still can't bring myself to to get on an airplane to go, and I used to love to fly, 
So I don't know if if I've created this concrete block myself or or what it is. Um, well, I, I think that there's probably uh, could be past life connections. And when oh, no we doubt. are afraid of something, we build up a resistance. We build up a wall around it and cordon it off. And anything that gets cordoned off or trapped is going to grow and try to escape. And that's the way it is with fear within us, too. It just starts growing. And I would say there's probably a lot that that is here to teach you. And one thing you may consider doing is to go into a meditation and say, my old friend fear, and see the fear of flying as a little puppy, and say, come up on my lap and tell me what you have to tell me. Why, don't, why are you uh, feeling the way you feel? And get that insight, because sometimes it's, uh, there's a lot of different a aspects of it. It could be the feeling of being out of control. It could be the fear, feel, fear of being confined or the fear of the, the crash. And understand the nature of it because we often don't listen to ourselves. And part of the retraining that we're doing, uh, moving into the advanced world, uh, is to get us, we the human race, to recognize that absolutely everything that happens is on our side. There is nothing that's not. So in one way or another, this fear of flying is on your side, and that'll deflate it quite a bit. Yeah, and if you would call next week, and maybe we could go into that more. I know we've got some yeah. other calls on hold, but yeah. I, I have more to say about that, and I know Neville does too. So if you're around next week, please do call, because that would... Uh, yeah, we would love to hear yeah, from you. Yeah, because we definitely have more about yeah. that. Okay. I appreciate it. And uh, Our next, next caller? Call? Hi. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? My name is Vicki from Fairfax, Virginia. Hi, Vicki. Vicki, all right. What can we do for you? Hi, I really appreciate your show. It's excellent, and um, thank you very much. I love you very much. Thank you so oh, much. You too. Thank you. Fine. Yeah. Mary, if you could give me a reading, I would really appreciate that. I'd be most happy to. Okay. Well, let's see what we got first is the letting go card. And the letting go is one of your greatest acts of power there is. Nothing can move unless you let go. Nothing more can be received unless you let go. And I feel like there's some things from the past, and it's ideas about yourself, ideas of limitation, that it's time to release and let go. And therefore, the things that you are looking to create will come back. And the past lives can talk about past lives and people in your life from past lives coming. I don't know. I, I feel like there might be some endings to some things, but then there's new beginnings as well. But this card also comes up to remind you to look at some of the patterns in, in life, like I was talking about earlier, but particularly areas of your life where you feel blocked. And look at the patterns and allow those to uh, go away and new patterns to emerge, that ones that are more consciously directed. And this card really is about not fighting, not giving in, but claiming your power in a quiet way and letting your radiant field be the thing that stands out there. So it's not standing up to people, it's standing inside you, and that will make it so you never have to stand up to people again. Excellent. Okay. And we, we have, have another, another caller. Call? Hi, caller. What's your name, please? Hi, this is Regina. Hi, Regina. Mary Neville. Hi. How are you? Good. Good. I, have, uh, um, I really enjoyed your show on purpose. And I was wondering if Mary can give me a reading on my career purpose. There we go. Okay. Excellent, by the way. Yeah. Regina, that was brilliant. 
Yeah, yeah, because, well, um, the first uh, card we get is the inner voice, which talks about your intuition and your, um, not just psychic abilities, what's the word I'm looking for? Your empathetic, intuitive senses, and that that's something that is really important to you and comes through in no matter what you do. And the we are the world is going out there and finding your own unique color out there. It's not about being better than anyone, and it's not about resolving or uh, taking care of the feelings of feeling less than somebody. It's to be unique and not any, even in a comparison with anyone else. And I feel that something worldwide, some global type of consciousness, this is also talking about doing that, using your intuitive self to assist and maybe even um, in, in the area of peace and mediation and getting people to come back into resonance with themselves and each other. So there's probably, you could say this is a metaphysical, holistic type of thing, but it's global. And the receptivity is about opening up and letting things come into your consciousness that are not defined. When we know our purpose and say, I'm supposed to be a lawyer, that's all we let in. This is saying to let everything in because it will be coming from unlikely places. Okay. So we have a few minutes on the show here. One, we're going to be at Ruby Tuesdays to celebrate the beginning of the uh, uh, blizzard of uh, 010, I suppose it would be. No O necessary. <laughs> it's we're the blizzard number one. of 10. We're number one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at Ruby Tuesdays in Fairfax Circle, if anyone would like to join us, presuming this is Thursday before time ended because of the 120 feet of snow arriving by UPS No, it's 150 tomorrow. feet. I just got the, the, the news flash. It's 150 feet now. Um, I am working on the technology of continuing the live broadcast at the Ruby Tuesdays for a while one oh, yeah. night. And keep watching because we're going to be doing more shows than this. Um, mm -hmm. That'll be broadcast live that you can see from the website. That, yeah, from the website rather than through your TV if mm -hmm. you're watching on TV. But I'll be in touch when that happens. And yeah. sign up for the mailing list. Go to telepathictv.com. Pretty much every page at the bottom, there's a place to sign in mm -hmm. for the mailing list. And then accept uh, emails. Put add to your address book, telepathictv at yahoo.com, or they'll go into your other folders. Mm -hmm. yeah, and thank you to everybody that called around. in tonight. Yeah, it's an excellent show. We have about a moment. Neville and I have blogs now. I didn't care for that word blog for the longest time, so I refused to do <laughs> blog. Is it true that blog means a it joke means, in French? No, it means weblog. Weblog. Back in the old days, oh. uh, they would just... Blog, It's yeah. like a, a daily diary. I had heard it meant joke. No. Well, it, there yeah. might be a French name, but the blog that, yeah. is, that we know now is short mm -hmm. for weblog. Yeah. I wrote an article on... Uh, or we blog, whichever way you want to say it. Or Twitter. I wrote an article on command versus control on uh, the blog. And I wrote another I wrote one on... I wrote Law of absolute, Distraction. Yeah, an absolute... Oh, that's another show we can do. Our, the unhuman... Uh, the unparalleled genius that we human beings have for putting things in our own way. So what would you love to do with your life and then what you are doing with your life is putting things in the way of... It was our joy and honor to take you to the door. And you'll be going through it, and you know it, so just go. What would we be doing here? But uh, the concept of uh, finding other... Uh, 
like-minded people to build the um, new, mm-hmm. new civilization. I'm a love-minded person. New civilization on the planet Earth. Thank you.